Everyone, welcome back to the pod in the pendulum. Usually I say this is the point where we are covering all horror movie franchises, but it is October and we're going to actually change things up a little bit. But before we get into that, I am your host, Mike Snooney, and joined once again by my co-host, Lindsay Travis. Lindsay, how are we? Hello, I'm good. I, this is well time to do something different. We're like well into festival season, all that kind mm-hmm. of exciting stuff. It's officially the spooky season. We've got yeah. the decorations up. I like spent the weekend in the yard putting things up, and it's super rainy right now too, which is great. So it is a perfect fall New England evening. So I'm excited. That's amazing. One of my neighbors put up Halloween decorations, and I've been like, every time I go to get coffee outside, I'm just like thrilled to be like, ooh, mm-hmm. killer clown. Um, even though I hate killer clowns, but uh, yeah. That's all right. Can't blame you. Clowns are scary and They're creepy. Scary. There's apparently going to be a documentary about Tim Curry and It, the miniseries. So that is making like the festival rounds this fall. Um, maybe it'll come up later this month. Maybe not. Who knows? Um, but what are we covering first? So this month we are going to cover a few different things. We are going to talk about the movies that Lindsay and I have been seeing at various festivals. Uh, We're going to be joined by some friends to talk about perhaps some underseen movies that you should add to your Halloween rotation. We're going to talk about some uh, some video games that you should be playing to do something different. But we're going to kick things off with a subject that is near and dear to Lindsay's heart. Lindsay, why don't you tell our listeners what we're doing tonight? Tonight, we are covering horror comics. Um Again, right in my wheelhouse. Very excited, very thrilled that this was an option and can't wait to do it. Excellent. Yeah, it just, you know, sometimes everybody posts their like, here's what I'm watching tonight. Um, But there's something about like sitting down in the dark and kind of like letting the imagination run a little wild and digging into some of these like classic, but also like new horror comics. And what was it that first drew you? Because you're a big comic person, like you write about them for different sites. And what was it that first drew you to kind of horror comics? Um, Honestly, I mean, I like horror. I like comics. It was like a natural progression. I can't think of like, even like when I first was like, ooh, I love horror comics. Honestly, one of the ones that we'll talk about today was Afterlife with Archie. And I feel like that was really... In a weird way, I feel like it was like a turning point for me where I like saw like what horror comics could do, mm-hmm. I think in a way. Um, probably in the same way a lot of people have that like moment with horror movies. But yeah, like I, I read mostly superhero comics um, or like a lot of, you know, I don't know, thriller, graphic novel stories mm-hmm. like that. And yeah, kind of later I was like, oh, there's a whole horror world here, yeah. which is thrilling. And it's definitely like 
it's very possible that someone's going to be like, oh, Lindsay, it was like this the whole time. But I really do feel like there's been a horror comics boom recently with like DC taking a horror label and like all those kinds of things. I would agree. I mean, I think there's always been, you know, obviously there's like the old um, EC comics that are like lurking yeah. and you got Tales from the Crypt and f- titles like that. Um, but in the past like decade or I say what maybe with like the walking dead showing like, Oh my God, like this is, you know, like there's actually money in this. Like people want to read it. People will devour it. And all of a sudden there are more titles than you can shake a stick at, including some properties where you're like, what, you know, like Archie, you know, Jughead doesn't want to eat hamburgers anymore. He wants to eat human brains. What crazy. Yeah. So where would you like to begin? Why don't you tell us what, you know, for folks looking for something a little different this season, what are some of the titles that you have set aside that you think folks would be into? I've got a few, a good batch here. I feel like naturally we should start with Afterlife with Archie and I can yell about why mm-hmm. I love it so much. Let's um, do that. So Afterlife with Archie, there's a, a record store that I've definitely mentioned on the show before because it's where it has that like used DVD basement that I love. And uh, it's called Sonic Boom in Toronto. And mm-hmm. um, they have a small comic section and they're right near a coffee shop that I like. And I literally walked in like looking for something to read with my coffee and saw Afterlife with Archie. And I was like, sure, let me check it out. And uh, I really, really fell in love with it. So it takes place in the Riverdale universe. Everyone that you know, and when I say the Riverdale universe, I mean like Archie comics, not the show Riverdale. Um, So all your, you know, the whole gang is there, Midge, Moose, Ronnie, everyone. And basically uh, basically what happens is... um, Hot dog, Jughead's dog, dies uh, very tragically. My dog is here. Dog does not like your dog. My dog is like, like, excuse me, what are you saying about hot dog? Um, Hot dog tragically dies at the hand of Reggie Mantle. Um, And then kind of long story short, uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch gets involved and brings uh, hot dog back from the dead because she feels bad for her friend Juggy. And as a result, um, he comes back kind of Pet cemetery style, a mm. little bit more of a killer version of himself, and he spreads a zombie virus. Do they actually use the phrase, like, sometimes that is better? Uh, yeah. Honestly, or does it not? I don't know. Like, there are a lot of references, and I need to, like, actually check, because there are so many, like, when you reflect on it, it came, it snuck up on me so much that mm-hmm. as I'm, like, reflecting on it, I'm like, wow, there are a lot more horror references in this that, like, I need to, like, see if there's, like a lot that I miss, but mm-hmm. uh, it's wild. What's really cool about it. Um, first of all, it's scary. It's a zombie story with characters that, you know, and love, which is really, really incredible, but it's actually like a lot, like there's a lot of story. And when I say that, it's like all of the things that were just casual um, Archie tropes are really, really explored. Like Reggie being, you know, a privileged rich dude actually manifests him killing things with his car with no remorse. And, um, you know, the relationship between Cheryl Blossom and her brother, that's always been like weird that they seem to kind of flirt actually turns out to be like a potentially abusive relationship. And, mm-hmm. um, the relationship between, uh, you know, Moose being really jealous and protective of Midge, like, what does that actually mean in real life? And so, it actually like explores a lot of like deeper possible themes. And it's pretty cool that it like uses horror as this way to like 
break through this like veneer of perfect Riverdale, like this Pleasantville type version of Riverdale and like mess with it. So it's really, really fun. And also it's just like a really great zombie story, but don't fall too, too in love with it because they've been selling pre-orders to the sequel since 2016 and it does not yet exist. So how, how long is this run for? Like how many episodes, how many issues was it? There's one trade and then they pre-order mm-hmm. the second trade. So there's like a few issues past the mm-hmm. first trade. Um, and then the second trade, Betty R.I.P. just like never happened because the writer, mm-hmm. um, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa, uh, I think that's it. He um, uh, got picked up to make Riverdale, the show, and mm-hmm. The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which he also uh, wrote, um, another Archie Horror Story. And the like yada 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 of it all is that he's been very busy with those shows and just like kind of put down the pencil and we're like no no come back so then i feel like i monkey's paw like wished that he his shows would get canceled um so that he would come back to it but then only sabrina got canceled which is like the show that i want more of and riverdale which is yeah i still need to finish the last two seasons of sabrina i know the first two were like perfect i mean absolutely love them um and then I don't know what it is. Like there's something about Netflix where I'll binge a show and then it's just kind of out of my collective brain at that point. So it's almost like out of sight, out of my, like, oh yeah, there's a new one and it's buried in like 7,000 other shows. So it's yeah. kind of forget about it. Um, yeah. Is if you, if someone picks up the first trade, is it a self-contained enough story where you can read that, get a complete story, and you're not going to be left like, oh, shit, now I've been waiting for this to pick up like six years later. It definitely ends on a cliffhanger that you will be like, man, where's the rest of this? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's self-contained in that you don't need to like read a bunch of spinoffs or anything like that. Yeah. Like There are other Archie horror stories, but each of them is contained. Like Chilling Adventures of Sabrina is not connected to... Mm-hmm. Um, this, even though Sabrina's in it. And then there's like Cheryl, uh, oh gosh, what is it? Cheryl 666, something like that. Mm-hmm. And then there's Vampire Veronica. Like all those stories are yep. self-contained, which is nice. And there's like, so there are a Jughead werewolf one as well. Yeah, Jughead the Hunger, which I got confused and thought was like more of this because mm-hmm. obviously Jughead is a hungry zombie. So when I heard of Jughead yep. the Hunger, I was like, oh, more, but it's also another universe. And I think- right. Jughead the Hunger, I want to say, overlaps with with Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, but I could be wrong about that. Okay. Yeah, I remember, I think I've read years ago, read like the Archie one, because I remember Archie comics from like being a little kid and you would read them in your dentist office. Like you would read Archie and you would read like highlights for children. I was just going to say, did you have highlights magazine? Yeah. Oh yeah. With Goofus and Gallant. And because (laughs) there's like literally nothing offensive in Mm -hmm. either like old Archie comics or highlights. And then all of a sudden, like there's like the alt verse for Archie where it's like really just messed up and, if I remember correct, when like Riverdale, the television show was announced, the initial pitch and the thought was it was going to be set in the horror verse. Like you would get as opposed to like teen melodrama, which I think is I stopped watching after season one because I'm a middle aged man and like I am not, not the target me. demographic for this. Oh. Um I haven't watched it. As far as I know, it leaned on Archie. I've been calling it Archie One, but I think it's literally just called Archie. Um, mm-hmm. Around the same time as Archie Horror came out, a book came out that I've been calling Archie One. 
which was basically an adult version of Archie okay. that I was like, did not like. And so when they were developing the shows, I remember hearing that the Riverdale was based on Archie one, but chilling adventures was based on chilling adventures. And I was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to watch chilling adventures only. <laughs> like oh, I yeah. was like, I don't want to watch Archie one, but if they made this show, I would watch it. Like yeah. I would watch afterlife with Archie, but yeah. And as far as I know, there's in chilling adventures, at least in the first two seasons, like there's no Archie, there's no Jughead, there's no, no Betty and Veronica like it is its own completely self-contained gorgeous absolutely dripping with atmosphere beautiful show that I adore I will say like here's a freebie like Chilling Adventures of Sabrina the comics are great yes Um, they're like surreal and they're scarier like if you thought the show was a bit scary the comics are scarier Mm -hmm. and weird like Madam Satan has like skulls for eyes like stunning big fan and like spoiler but i think the love interest character like dies in the comics doesn't he like he's disposed yeah. of pretty early on yeah okay. there's like yeah I'll, there's a lot there's a lot there's yeah. a lot it's scary they go and for the jugular yeah they go oh for yeah this. So, what do you have next what is excellent pun what's Ooh. next okay let's see what's next um i'm gonna go uh dc comics Mm-hmm. Because I have to. There's going to be a little bit more DC on this this list than probably there should be. But I really like what DC is doing with horror. And I really like what DC has done with horror. So I'm going to mention Arkham Asylum. Mm-hmm. Um, so Arkham Asylum is it's a one shot. It's a short story. Um, it's written by uh, Grant Morrison, who we've mentioned a lot on this show before. Uh, so we probably mentioned Arkham Asylum before. What I think is really cool about this comic is the art is like absolutely absurd. So this mm. is a really short story about like Joker takes over Arkham and calls Batman. And it's very, uh, it's a very gritty um, kind of reserved version of the story of Joker being like, you're mad too. Like Batman, you are just like us. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just like kind of one of those stories, but it's short. What I love about it is the art. It's really scary. I've always said like, I, again, we've probably talked about Grant Morrison and James Wan so much on the show, but um, I was like, this is like a thing that I want to see James Wan adapt. Like this, I always am mm. like, this is the one I want to see as a movie because I think it's so ripe with like horror tableaus. There's like sick women with roaches crawling out of their mouths and it's like very demonic and spooky. Um, the Joker art is amazing. There's, if you look it up, I'm sure one of the first images you'll see is this like spooky ghost Joker with like this like fiery, like, red eyes and bright green hair that's just ugh, terrifying yep. and it's just a really great short comic really easy to read um really easy to grab like pick up and you know read on an airplane it's kind of you know like a quick one shot which i think is a really fun one and really i scary. definitely need to reread this it's definitely been i think dave mckean is like the painter in this and like i, I definitely it's been probably like 15 years um and it's one of those things where like yes it's a quick read uh, mm-hmm. It's a complete one shot, um, but it's a really deep read. It's like one of those things where you have to read it multiple times, I think, to kind of pick up everything Morrison is going for. And I think like Morrison is the one of the preeminent Batman scribes at this point oh, yeah. of the past 20 years. So. Yeah. I think we've talked about his run on the comics before. So much so. Yeah. I feel like we've talked about Morrison a lot and it's like not Mm -hmm. a coincidence. What's Um, next? I see um, DC versus vampires here. Yeah. So DC versus vampires actually isn't out yet. This is like uh, my highly anticipated uh, Mm -hmm. comic for this year is DC versus vampires. Uh, So 
I don't know how familiar uh, everyone is or um, you are with uh, horror, um, the DC horror stuff. So there's a DC horror label, which is currently being developed. But one thing that's cool, and we'll chat about a few of them, is that they've dropped Batman and the DC characters into some pretty, like, interesting situations. So there's the famous DC, uh, the Justice League versus Alien. Um, we've got Justice League versus Predator, um, which if you're interested in those at all, try to get them as quick as possible because they will be, they are out of print, um, but I think they'll be available digitally. So that's good. But um, were these the ones in conjunction with like Dark Horse comics? Yes. And then yeah. with the uh, sale of these characters from Fox to Disney, which now owns Marvel, Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, there are like rights issues such that they won't reprint them. So mm-hmm. they're currently available. Like I want to say on like Comixology or something like that. Or no, maybe the DC Universe, which is now Comixology. In mm-hmm. any event, if you're interested in like the DC versus Aliens, DC versus Predator, Justice League versus those characters, um, do it while you can. Get your used copies while you still can because they, mm-hmm. they, are, they are in scarce supply. Um, so yeah, and then they also, another one that maybe we'll chat about or maybe I'll just skip to it is Deceased, which is a DC uh, zombie story by Tom King, which is really mm-hmm. fun. So I've just like been a big fan. I, the Justice League uh, versus Predator story is like bizarre, and really, really fun. So I really like when they drop those characters into familiar horror situations. We've also got Batman Dracula stories, but this is DC versus Vampire. So it's not a Dracula story. We don't have a ton of information about it yet. It comes out October 26, 21. Um, and yeah, it's supposed to be, it's a 12 issue mini series with like, I want to say different stories only because it's a list of different writers. So, um, yeah, there's a few writers. Matthew Rosenberg is on there. Otto Schmidt is on there. Jorge Molina. Um, but one that I think is really excited, exciting is James Tanyan IV is there. Mm-hmm. And if you know James, he's a horror comic badass. Like, he wrote... Um, I guess I'm kind of jumping around, but he wrote Nice House on the, the Nice House on the Lake, which mm-hmm. is a, like, stellar horror comic uh, that you should check out. And he also wrote, he wrote a lot of Batman, which is, it makes sense that he would be doing DC vs. Vampires. And uh, he wrote um, the, uh, he wrote the Department of Truth, which I am really looking forward to reading. I studied a few panels of it the other day, Department of Truth, look that up. It's very spooky, very awesome. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm really kind of curious to see what he's going to do with DC characters and vampires. I think it'll be really awesome. Excellent, excellent. Okay, Have, did you ever read the like Marvel zombie stuff at all way back when? I didn't. I like always get like lost in those things, mm-hmm. um, and so I read Deceased, but I didn't read the Marvel zombie story. Okay, did you read it? I read. I think I read the first edition of it. Like it seemed like a really cool what if type of story. Yeah. Um, I remember there was some really like like messed up bits to it with like um i want to say like and i'm probably wrong like spider-man like eating mary jane parker's brains um awesome. i it, it was some odd character thing where it's like oh that's you know maybe it was aunt may but it was like one of those things Ooh. you're like oh yeah and i remember the art was like really different from your like standard kind of clean marvel art of the time and i just seem to remember it like that first story being like really good but then it was like hey we have something here let's keep returning to it over and over and over Mm -hmm. i think at one point they devour galactic galacticus let me just see if i can dig that up uh is that the um is that the 
uh, impetus for the um, zombie episode of What If? I'm not sure because I have not watched any of What If yet. Um, I was like so excited for zombie Captain America, but then everyone was like, oh, why? Like, did you read the story? And I'm like, no. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's... So what Marvel zombies Earth twenty one forty is a lot of Marvel versus yeah I remember them eating I think that's what allowed like the zombies to travel from like world to world was they literally like eat Galactus alive and then gain a lot of his cosmic powers and they're able to like leap into different Marvel worlds like it was a really really weird story is what I remember from it. So Damn. it'd be interesting to see if they return to it, like what that would look like. Did um, you, sorry, go ahead. No, you go, you first. I was going to ask if you read deceased, the DC comics. I have not read anything from okay. that at all. Um, so yeah, I have not read any of them. So it's fun. All right. We'll yeah. Add I that. like deceased. I would I would recommend it. I have the first mm-hmm. two trades I wanna say and I was so excited about them. So like if you're comic collectors amongst you, you know things come out. Sometimes they just come out like as a graphic novel, which is great. But mm-hmm. if it's like an issue story, you know, they come out in issues and then they usually go to trade paperback. But every so often it goes to hardcover first before you get a trade paperback. And mm-hmm. you have to decide if you wanna take up the, you know, shelf space for a hardcover. And for deceased I did. And so I have yep. these like big clunky hardcovers that I like schlepped around to a beach. Um but deceased is really cool. And I think I really like when they like steep it in the lore of the universe. So what's cool about this is that it's, um, is it dark side? My gosh, what's his name? You know, the guy, um, yeah, dark side yeah, uses the anti-life equation, which we've heard of a million times in DC comics. I think very mm-hmm. recently in the three Joker story, in fact, um, and so he uses the anti-life equation, but it basically turns people into zombies, which like, Makes a lot of sense. Anti-life. It turns them into zombies and the superheroes are not immune. Like Superman becomes a zombie and, you know, imagine fighting that. Um, And it's what's cool about contained stories, which I really, really love is that the stakes are really high. And so like no one is off limits in this story. Like Mm -hmm. anyone can die, which is really cool. Um, Also, what's cool about it is it's some of the best variant covers Mm -hmm. in like... yeah. Did anything stick from it? Like, is it one of those like Elseworlds DC books where like it doesn't really fit into the main universe or did it actually like have any repercussions um, down the road? Uh, as far as I know, there were none. Like it's just its own contained story. And I mm-hmm. love that about it because it allowed the stakes to stay really high. But mm-hmm. I do think as it went on, because um, I think it's still going, I think as it went on, there was some kind of overlap, but don't quote me on that. There was like mm-hmm. something that happened, but no, it's contained, which is why it's like really cool. Like characters okay. die that you're like, oh my God, mm-hmm. they just killed I, him. <laughs> in a in a zombie comic. Because yeah. um, I remember like when Kingdom Come came mm-hmm. out like years ago, like the Alex Ross, uh, Geoff Wade story like that was depicted as like an elseworlds book right um a possible future for dc and because of the popularity of that like they if i remember correct like for a time tried to incorporate like um some of the characters into that like into the main comics to see like oh hey we're gonna 
look to kind of push things in this direction right now but i don't think anything like that ever stuck so no and i think that's what's been i mean i'm a huge fan of dc black label which is why i'm kind of like why are they doing this horror label because they have black label but i'm like you know what if it needs more horror comics do whatever you want Mm -hmm. dc um i um yeah uh what was I saying? Oh, yeah. Um, I think what's really cool about Black Label is that uh, they tend to be one-shots. They tend to be self-contained, which is mm-hmm. pretty cool. Excellent. Yeah. I know you've talked about the Conjuring comics, uh, mm-hmm. Conjuring the Lover, uh, during our um, take on the Conjuring movies, but like, yeah. what's going on with that right now? Uh, so it's still ongoing. I think the fifth issue is coming up this year. So I would recommend, um, I have a guide coming. I'll post this on Twitter, um, but I know not everyone goes to Twitter. On DC uh, Comics, they actually posted like a DC Comics blog of like a Halloween reading guide. Um, so it has mm-hmm. a lot of like updates on their ongoing story. So I believe The Conjuring number five is set to come out pretty soon. Um, so the, yeah, the issues are coming out. I would imagine they'll probably collect a trade. I think it's, I think it's a... Uh, my goodness, I know how many, hold on. I know how many issues it is, and I think mm-hmm. we could we could guess right now exactly when. Uh... So yeah, it's five, issue five is upcoming. But I remember it said, it told me exactly how many issues. Oh yeah, so issue five will be the final issue. So if you're waiting for the trade to collect them all, mm-hmm. um, it'll probably come soon. So they're going to cut it after five issues. Yeah, yeah. It's a five-issue contained story. I imagine they will continue to do more of the Conjuring stories. Like, in each one, they have the, like, From the Artifact Room short stories. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure if those are popular, they will probably break those off into others so you have like an actual classic like b story yeah when it comes to it as well what makes that work like what you know i know obviously like what makes the conjuring movies work when they're at their best is like you get this really good atmospherics you get like just the black levels in that movie in terms of like what they're able to hide in shadows is always incredible um and, you know, I think in the first two movies in particular, like James Wan kind of like masters the jump scare. Yeah. Um, what is it about the comics if somebody's looking for something scary that works? So the story, The Lover, is cool because it adds more context to The Conjuring 3 um, without um, it's not like necessary to fill in any gaps from the movies, which is great, but it does like add some context. It gets to tell its own story. I haven't read the whole thing yet. I don't have issue five and I think I stopped at issue three. Um, what's cool about the artifact room stories is they're like a page and a half. Mm-hmm. And so they have punch, like they are one hit. The one that I talked about, um, again, as you guys know, like Scott Snyder is one of my favorite comic book writers. He's Mm -hmm. written amazing horror comics. His literal page and a half story from the artifact room in the first issue of The Conjuring, The Lover, is just, it's a one-two punch. It's a short story. It's like a quick monologue with a punchline scare. And I think those just work so, so well. And then I think I like referred to The Conjuring comics as like a grindhouse. Um, They're obviously based on the EC comic, um joke like there's like inside ec comics jokes in there um but so i guess maybe ec comic is is more the grindhouse but um it feels like grindhouse like there's like fake ads in it 
and there's like one page stories and a bunch of like meta oh, jokes. Sounds great. Yeah, it's just like fun. Like if you're like into right. that thing, it's like, yeah, you're reading a conjuring story, but also you're like, oh my God, there's like a fake ad for x-ray glasses in here. It's, it's like it has like a real creep show feel to it. Yes, totally. Excellent. Totally. Okay. So if you want something that's like a really fun read, maybe not lighter per se, but has a bit of like a cheeky sense of humor to it, that's where to go. 100%. Excellent. What do you have next? What's next on your recommendations? All over the place. I got all kinds of things going on. Oh, here's one I'm excited about. Well, let's see. Okay, let's no, let's let's pivot. We're pivoting. Um, So I don't know. There is a comic book label called Storm King Comics, which Mm -hmm. um, always for some reason makes me think it's Stephen King, but it's not. It's Storm King and it is John Carpenter, which is like it just seems like it's going to be a Stephen King thing. But anyway. Mm -hmm. So John Carpenter essentially has a horror label. Um, It's mostly uh, our comic label that's edited um, by Sandy King mostly. But anyway, they make these uh, really cool self-contained stories. I talked about one called Hell, which is pretty good. I talked about one called Sacred Hearts. Um, Sacred Hearts is a really, it's a kid story. Mm -hmm. Um, So like it's a young, it's a cool gateway horror for kids about this like Mm -hmm. monster that a bunch of kids take care of and protect. So Storm King has been doing some pretty cool stuff. They have this anthology series called Tales for a Halloween Night. Um, They're actually up to volume seven. So uh, it actually just came out. So when you hear this, it will be out. Um, John Carpenter's Tales for a Halloween Night volume seven just came out. So it's another volume of short, scary stories that are standalone. Mm -hmm. So what's really cool is that it's just like so nice to read standalone stories. Like if you're a comic book reader, you know that it can be so overwhelming waiting for more issues waiting for the next, you know, waiting for the sequel. Did you catch up on the spinoff and all those kinds of things? So it's really cool to have like short story anthologies. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, there are lots of them. This is volume seven. So they are plentiful and they are Halloween focused because they're very much tales for Halloween night. Um, And the gag is very much like fireside stories. So yeah, it's another one I think everyone should check out. Excellent. You mentioned a writer not too long ago, uh, James Tinian the fourth. Yeah. Um, and I know one of the things he's known for is the something is killing the children. Yes. Yes. What are those all about? So I, okay. So something is killing the children is like a thing that's been on my back burner for 10 years. You know, those things that just like mm-hmm. never happen. So I actually don't know a ton about something is killing the children. What I do know is that it must be unbelievable because this guy made something is killing the children which like kind of popped around. You could like see it sitting beside paper girls and, Mm -hmm. you know, indie shops and things like that. And you're kind of like, what is this story? Really cool image of this like character with like a bandana around their mouth with like Mm -hmm. teeth on it. Very stunning looking pages. And then all of a sudden the dude was like, oh, hey, I'm writing Batman and five of the best horror comics. So you're like, something must be good about this story. I read, so um, I read for a project, uh, the first three pages of, uh, the Department of Truth, which is his. And like, I'm so excited to read all of it. Like, so Department of Truth, uh, I don't know if it's necessarily horror, but he's kind of like horror and spooky and the pages are look, look really surreal. Mm-hmm. But the idea behind it is that the truth uh, changes based on collective thought. So if like mm. everyone believes the earth is flat, the earth is flat. And if everyone believes the earth is round, the earth is round. So there's like two competing um, organizations that try to like control what the truth is. Um, interesting yeah like think about what kind of story that is and the opening is that they've like arrested john wilkes booth and they're like no you did shoot him Mm -hmm. which is like what 
Um, and like, yeah, so they like basically the opening is like that they like have this guy board a plane or something and they like fly over earth and like watch the earth change as they're flying. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Like this dude is wild. He just comes Mm -hmm. up with shit like, ugh, yeah. So, so I know like looking at something that's killing the children is coming to Netflix. Um, I do not know that. Yep. Good for him. That's so, great. and it looks like it's going to be like the pilot is going to be co-written and produced by Mike Flanagan. So Whoa. you're getting like basically one of the big, um, you know, one of the big heavy hitters that Netflix has when it comes to producing like horror miniseries. Um, and I feel That's like, amazing. you know, I, I know I kind of like bagged on Netflix a little bit earlier because I just think they put out again, like so much content that, things get kind of lost in the mm-hmm. weeds a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and also like as much as I like binging, I got to say that having everything dump all at once makes it kind of hard sometimes to just remember stuff. But um, yeah, I would agree with that. I think that things get lost and yeah, I would agree with that. But between like midnight mass and obviously like stranger things, uh, the fear street, trilogy um the squid game um it looks like they're putting a lot of resources into like horror you know their horror um departments here and coming up with some kind of quality stuff especially when it comes to like the limited series like some really good stuff going on um that is cool about there's something killing the children. That's awesome. It's really interesting. Um, I would love to know the like behind the scenes of that because first of all, why the last man just came to FX, which I'm so mm-hmm. curious how that's performing and what people think. I think FX's app is notoriously pretty bad. So I think a lot of people wait for things just for FX stuff mm-hmm. to like show up on other channels. At least that's my, I'm always like, even though I subscribe to FX, I'm like, mm-hmm. I'll wait for it to hit Netflix in a year because their app is so annoying um i know so it's on hulu as well like if you so have we, hulu it's you don't okay. get it yeah see we don't have hulu so the we have to wait for it's annoying and our fx app is mm-hmm. just like this is brutal it's so embarrassingly bad i don't know how like fx if you're listening call me um what was i gonna say yeah so i'm so curious about that so for people uh this might be like inside baseball i don't know but um netflix made this like big deal with mark miller to basically mm-hmm. produce miller world comics and original stories and also get into the comics game and actually make comics with Mark Millar. Hmm. Um, And no disrespect to the dude, because he wrote one of my, he wrote a comic that was inspiration for my favorite movies of all time. Um, But. uh, Hootie Tang. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, you know, the one. (laughs) Hero Kings in the Secret Service, which is one of my favorite Mm. movies of all time. But um, yeah, Hootie Tang. Um, He doesn't, he hasn't written anything else good. And. (laughs) um, Oh, they he wrote he wrote kick ass which mm-hmm. obviously sparked very popular motion pictures um but you but, have some thoughts otherwise but kick ass no kick ass was not part of the deal kick ass was mm-hmm. excluded from the deal uh, so what they got was jupiter's legacy which is not a good show uh for anyone who saw it so it is intriguing to me that they spent a very hefty amount of money to buy Miller World to get Mark Miller to produce original comic book story content. And they're like, after like one show, they're like, you know what? Maybe we're going to see what Flanagan can do with James Tanyan's yeah. story. <laughs> um, uh, but they can produce multiple comic book properties at the same time. I'm just like kind of laughing at like 
Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess the Miller World thing didn't work out quite as planned. <laughs> so I know he did like a lot of stuff for like DC and Marvel before striking out his own. Like he was one of the guys behind like the Ultimates line when that first came out. Um, he took over for Warren Ellis on The Authority oh, um, okay. for a time. Um, and he is one of the dudes that like came up with the idea for the ultimates, which was the ultimate version of the Avengers in the ultimate Mm. universe. And it's where like, you know, Samuel L. Jackson as Nick, uh, um, I want to say Nick Frost. That's not it. Nick Cage, Nick Fury. Yes. Where that like came to be, like he was drawn to look like Samuel L. Jackson. Um, But like a lot of the stuff from the um, ultimates, like, kind of ended up as the blueprint for the early Marvel stuff. So it's oh, really I mean, interesting. I, look, like I love Kingsman. Kick-Ass is obviously very popular. Um, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good luck with that, Netflix. Good luck. Well, you know, they have money. I think they, they'll be fine. it's like pocket. I mean, they I don't. They've been like running at like a massive loss for years and years, but it's working. So whatever. yeah, it's, you know, a little indie yeah. upstart Netflix. They just, a little... a Tor- <laughs> they just opened a Toronto office. So like, hey, Netflix, like don't uh, don't write me off as a potential employee. Um, okay. <laughs> maybe I can improve. Um, JK, JK. Um, yeah. Yeah. What would happen if Netflix went under? Because like you said, like they do run at a loss. If yeah. they went under, think of all the content that may never see the light of day again. It will. My thoughts on Netflix, well, it's changing a bit now. I think they've like picked it up. I think they've adjusted their business model. I mean, this is coming from someone who has like no actual sense of what their business model mm-hmm. is. So like I'm completely speaking out of my ass. But um, I always viewed Netflix as Napster. They weren't going to be the one that lasts forever. They're going to be the mm-hmm. one that starts it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still think that that's like possible. Like, their Netflix changed the world, but I don't right. think Netflix will stay the leader forever. If, but then they kind of surprised me. They ended up being way more successful the past couple of years yeah. than I expected. So it, it feels like it would be very hard to because they're operating at such a disadvantage in that, like, Disney and Warner Brothers and Universal and Paramount have this vast treasure trove, like this mm-hmm. back catalog. Um, especially, you know, Universal, which is owned by Comcast and Paramount, you have decades of television you can go back into. So you you have that alone as your just foundation. And then you do like new things from there. Um, yeah. Whereas like Netflix, like I, I mean, cause I'm one of those people that when there's a new, I know we're getting into the weeds. So we'll get off mm-hmm. this track in a second here. When there's like a new, like what's coming this month, like you look at like Netflix and there's like 500 things. And I'm like, there is zero chance I'm ever going to seek 99.9% of these things out. I also wonder, yeah, quick, like last thought is like, I wonder like for instance, Squid Game is doing so, so well, right? Mm-hmm. Like everyone's watching it. I want to know how those things actually translate to subscriber numbers. Like are people subscribing to Netflix for that show versus mm-hmm. like where like HBO is like people will, or HBO max is like people will subscribe to watch this movie. Yep. Um, I'm curious how that translates for Netflix, yeah. but I don't know, I guess we'll see. we'll see what happens. I think it's one of those things where like, at what point do they just hit a wall? Like, okay, we can't grow any more than we are. Yeah, like we're out. Have at that point. Um, 
All right. Getting back to comics. What is next for you? Okay. I think, I feel like I need to call it. There's so many more that I could like yell about. So I feel like I'm mm-hmm. going to pick like one. Pick like one two more. Part. Yeah. One or okay, two more. Okay, that we... Sure. So one that I'm really excited about is uh, I, I had to mention a Snyder comic because it's like the law here. Um, one that I'm really excited about for Scott Snyder is called We Have Demons. So um, pretty tight-lipped. I do have like some accidental insider info. Um, so Scott Snyder, and when I say accidental insider info, Scott just has like, he just gets like really, Scott, my friend Scott. Um, Scott Snyder just gets like really excited about the work he's working on. And I attended a mm-hmm. seminar that he hosted and he was just like, hey, do y'all want to see some of the pages that I'm working on? And we were like, yes, of course. Um, so that's my insider info. But um, so Scott Snyder is launching his own imprint with Comixology. Um uh, called Best Jacket Press, and he's launching mm-hmm. like ten different horror titles at the same time, um, which is unbelievable. Like the guy is just making amazing stuff. So uh, a story called We Have Demons, which is we don't know a ton about it, um, but he's paired back with uh, Greg Capullo, with whom he's written most of his work, I would say, and they did the Batman run together, and they worked on uh, so not just the Batman um, New Fifty Two comics, but they also did. Uh, uh, Dark Knight Metal, like that whole series, uh, and the Batman Who Laughs, and like all of that. So, um, is it Dark Knight Metal? Whatever the metal stories and the DC Metal, whatever it's called. Um, anyway, so the two of them are back together again, doing a creator-owned original horror story called We Have Demons that's set to come out um, in October for what he's calling Scotttober, which hilarious. Um, and yeah, I'm just like really pumped for that. And so um, as far as I know, he's going to have them on Comixology. So if you have a Comixology subscription or you can like subscribe, I don't really know the rules on that, but it also mm-hmm. will be in print later. So if you're like me um, and prefer print, you can stand by and purchase it in print later. Excellent. Mm-hmm. I'm just looking like at his run here and I'm looking at like the different horror comic Snyder's done like there's American Vampire mm-hmm. which was a collaboration with Stephen King right yeah so Stephen King wrote a story in the first trade so okay yeah yes. and then I he said recently. and they said after that like I'm out I'm done he literally just was like I want to write a horror comic because my son seems to be good at it and I want to mm-hmm. try and Scott Snyder was like great let's do it and so he mm-hmm. was like let me try. And Scott Snyder apparently like taught him how to write a comic. How was it? Was it any good? It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Um, it's fine. It's not fine. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. I kind of was like really thrilled to read American vampire because I wanted it as like a Stephen King thing that I was like, Ooh, cool. Mm -hmm. And like bought it as like a King thing to talk about. And then was kind of like, okay, it's fine. It's It's fine. It's okay. Yeah. Wasn't really for me. It's like, being the best tree in the play excellent right okay right <laughs> um but there's like the wake they're severed yeah. um this dude is just all over it like there is just so much stuff that he's done there oh witches which i think i've witches. read i love witches so what um, was witches witches is like oh my god i read it so long ago and it was one that like was on the back burner because he was writing batman Mm -hmm. um and then he released a halloween special probably like three years ago two three years ago he did a halloween special Mm -hmm. that was like the sequel to be like stay on it the story's still coming but witches is literally just like small town there's witches in the woods little girl goes missing little girl dies oh my Mm -hmm. god i read like three years ago 
Um, it's just really cool. I would say if you're interested in like, it's not like Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. It's not really like it, but it kind of is in that category of that like spooky, atmospheric, scary kind of what's in the woods situation. Um, it kind of gives you like a Blair Witch vibe or the witch vibe because it's like, you know, witch in the woods. Um, and it's cool. It There's a lot more. I You can tell that it was written as an opener that never got finished because there's like so much more that you're looking for in it. Um it's really cool. I honestly feel like it's something that like Flanagan could work really well with. Now that's like on my mm-hmm. mind. Um, really would be cool. Well, so I'm hoping that we'll get more witches. Yeah, Flanagan, if you're listening. Um, well, let's look at what's going on with it. Um, oh, you already so know. Earlier this year, it was announced that Snyder is going to work on a TV version of this uh, with Amazon Prime. So it wouldn't be with no Flanagan. No way! But um, James Tinney and the fourth is in the writer's room for this. So... That was um, announced, I think, way back in April. I completely um, missed that. I am aghast right now. I completely missed that. I had mm-hmm. no idea. It's been a bit of a year. So, you know. There's been so, no oh my God. And again, actually, it's one of those things where like, who knows what will actually happen with it. I feel like that makes a lot of sense though, because with this comicsology deal for Best Jacket Press, which is his own little imprint, mm-hmm. I was like, obviously the presumption is that the comics that launched because it's a comic it's launched it's with comicsology comicsology exclusive mm-hmm. versus the dc exclusive which is amazon so i was like i have to assume it's like a miller world situation where he's going to mm-hmm. produce content for comics and then hopefully yeah. also i would just like love I'll, i promise eventually i'll stop fangirling about snyder but probably not but i would just love um to see what the guy can do with movies and TV, because I always feel like every time he talks about Batman, you're like, damn it. Why didn't he write the justice league script? Like why Mm -hmm. didn't they let Snyder, the guy who understands Batman more than anyone write this script. Um, And so I'd be just so curious to see what he can do with the screenplay. But that, you know, with comics now that seems to be the way what comics are set up to do. Like they are a feeder system for movies and television like it used to be like comics was an industry in and of itself and it was kind of kept to the side um separate and now it seems like comics exist solely for the purpose of like we are going to like feed all these different television networks and streaming networks and movie studios years of storytelling material at this point mm-hmm. so in i think if we see like the art of comics go f- like much more cinematic um and much more widescreen um like uh, than we would have had in years past obviously like the biggest one of the biggest tv shows of the past 20 years is the walking dead yeah. um yeah so yeah. you know we'll see where it goes yeah so well, any any final thoughts anything else i would just say keep your ears to the grindstone kids i think one thing about horror comics is um we don't realize that it like really is a constant stream just like with film there are so many horror comics there are so he many has to get comics. a word in. i know i'm like he just has to get a word it. in we almost made it oh no. um, yeah i am getting the full court press for my wife right now about getting oh. a second dog because like a, apparently a friend brought like their dog over and our dog really got along and that's never happened before and oh she wants a doggy friend and i'm like well, it's a lot of work i love my dog love my so dog. much but i don't know if i can do another one okay it's a lot it's a lot of work um, okay 
Horror comics, much like film, there's just a lot of it. I think it's really easy to want to read big two stories like Mm -hmm. uh, DC horror comics and Marvel horror comics, which you should because they're really fun and really great. But also so many cool indie ones. If you're willing to go digital, there's more indie ones uh, showing up, but they will eventually come to print. Support your local Mm -hmm. comic book shop while you still can. And uh, yeah, I would just say like stay open to it. I think if you're... Um, you know, what's cool about horror comics is a lot of them tend to be really self-contained, which is nice because you have the opportunity to dive into a comic book universe without feeling so overwhelmed by like, you know, 500 years of Batman canon. So that would be my, uh, that's my pitch. Excellent. Well, this is a really fun talk. And like, I now have about a half dozen titles to add to the reading list. Um, So I'm really thrilled by that, Um, especially as like the weather turns cooler, the days get a bit shorter. It is like really nice to just like find something to kind of curl up with. And is a little spooky Um, as opposed to, you know, like throwing on Halloween three for the 400th time, um, you know, this season I did get a memo. um, So just so folks are aware, like, uh, Halloween three is now officially rated properly. So if you're pitching an article or a podcast about Halloween three being underrated, like actually the jury is officially in saying that it is now properly rated. We could put a moratorium on those articles for the season. It's okay. Oh my God. Hilarious. Um, I know. Very funny. <laughs> That's, that's good shit right there. All right, listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in. Like I said, a little bit of a shorter episode. We're going to be doing that this Halloween season and then looking at what we're going to be doing, you know, looking at what we're going to be doing going forward. Uh, more to come on that as the month goes on. But in the meantime, please rate, review, and subscribe to us. Let your friends know about us. And we will be back next week with a look at some horror video games you ought to be playing as well this Halloween season. And maybe we'll throw a couple board games in there too for folks that are getting together in person. We are out. Have a great week.